Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of MMA, Teddy Atlas, and today's very special guest coming off his debut win in the UFC, the great Patty the Batty Pimlet. Patty, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you having me on. It's good to have you, Patty. And uh, congratulations on not only not only on winning in your debut with the UFC, but the way you won and the attention that you have brought to yourself, to the UFC, to your future. Uh, I hope it continues. I hope it continues to grow just as much as your Instagram account has uh, has grown. <laughs> at least, at least, if not more. So congratulations. Uh, it was a great way to make a debut. You know, we always say that like on Broadway in the States, if somebody's going to go out on the stage, you want to go out there and you want to really bring the curtain down. And you, you brought the curtain down. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. But as I've said in all my post-fight interviews and that, this is just a start. I'm only just getting started, lad. Once I have another fight, my Instagram followers will go through a million and I'll start getting paid big, big money and I can't wait. You know, I always say I can't, I can't, I never, I, I don't think that fighters can ever make enough money because of what they risk when they get, whether it's in my business, getting inside that squared circle, or whether it's in your business, getting inside that, that cage, the octagon. They can never get paid too much as far as I'm concerned. So uh, make as much money as you can, uh, get as many people excited as you are, Continue to grow your brand uh, and continue to be a good example for people out there, you know, to follow you, to uh, to want to be like you in a way that they can make an, make something out of their own positions, their own lives. You know, continue to be that kind of uh, good example, good role model. Uh, you, you seem to be that. And uh, I just, I wish you nothing but the best. And I want to get right to the fight. What I saw uh, from my eyes in the fight, I, I, I obviously saw a granite chin, um, a hell of a chin. Um, and, you know, I disagreed with some people out there. You tell me whether or not I'm on the right track or I'm on the wrong track. But a lot of people were screaming that, oh, you know, he got hurt. For me... I didn't really see that. I saw you take some real, you know, some some shots, but for me, they looked the way I used to say the fighters, the old timers would say, they were they had the results of raindrops splashing off a windshield. I mean, that's that's what the punches looked to me that were hitting you. They were raindrops splashing off the windshield, and I didn't see you impacted the way that. Some people seem to make it. I just saw a granite chin. I saw a granite will. And I saw an exciting guy. And um, I just want to see if I'm on the right track that you didn't get quite taken to that buzz place that people were sort of implying. No, you, you, you're exactly right. Like, I, I, it didn't hurt me. <laughs> it was, when I watched the back, it's boss to watch. You know what I mean? Big loud noise, big left hook. And it was my own fault because normally when I throw that shot, I'll roll and throw the left hook, but I didn't roll. And in the midst of it all, I got caught with a punch. But to be honest, I think it made me debut better, better than going out there and having a flawless performance. 
Like I, I like keeping people on the edge of the seat, and that's what that does. As you said, that, that punch never affected me at all. I have been hit with clean shots in fights before, and I have been hurt, but that that never hurt me at all. And like I think the commentators thought it did because they kept going on about it, and I was like. I could hear them talking, obviously, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was just it was just mad hearing, hearing them speaking, saying, oh, I think he's losing this round. So I thought to myself, am I losing this round, am I? Yeah, so I'm, I'm putting it on him now with the rest of this round left. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the obviously you're cognizant, you're a very smart kid. You're cognizant of the part of, being an attraction, the part of you're drawing people, it's an entertainment business. Um, in some ways, I saw, you're right, I, I mentioned it on our podcast when we were breaking your fight down last week, that your flaws defensively in some areas where you got caught some shots that maybe you don't want to get caught, obviously, um, it, it helped you in a way that it's making you more of a fan-friendly attraction, kind of along the lines of why Arturo Gatti, I don't know if you followed the the late, great Arturo Gatti. Oh, yeah, I, I know Gatti. Yeah, he was he was so exciting. And part of his excitement, look, he could punch, he had, he had a great heart, he knew how to fight. But really part of the attraction was that his – his ability to let you hit him <laughs> where he would put himself in a position where he had to overcome something. People love to see people overcome things. Uh, do you, did you watch Gaddy? Was Gaddy one of the guys that was um, somebody that you, that you followed? I have, I have watched plenty of Gaddy fights. You know what I mean? I think I've watched the trilogy about a hundred times. Well, maybe one, yeah. <laughs> I think I've watched that about a hundred times, but like, but I've I've watched one fight where I didn't even like watching Gatti versus Mayweather, and I was just like, "Oh, because oh, that, yeah, that one is just that. it's hard to watch. You don't want to see that happen to a legend." But yeah, that's the type of style I like. You know what I mean? Um, like fan friendly. I like watching fights like that. So I like to be in fights like that. Don't like being in like until I proper got into me boxing a lot. I used to underappreciate how good Mayweather was because I didn't realize he had to change the style because of his hands and stuff. And I always just thought he was a boring boxer who didn't want to get into scraps. But obviously now that I, I know about his style more and why he had to change his style, I completely understand. And I think he is possibly the best boxer of all time now that I understand that more. Yeah, you have obviously a more uh, respect for uh, and appreciation for what you have to do in this business. It's one thing to be fan-friendly, but it's another thing to have a long career. And, yeah. you know, let's be realistic, let's be real, let's be honest about this. If you're going to have a long career, um, you have to learn to uh, dodge a few of those punches, uh, not not eat all of them. But sometimes, as you said, when it's your debut and you're coming out there on the stage, you want to bring the curtain down to the crowd, you couldn't have picked a better way to do it. But I would say moving forward... Um, move that head every once in a while you know <laughs> and, you know and maybe if you don't mind me saying and giving you a little advice keep that chin a little lower i know i know it's a hell of a chin but get it down a little bit hide it a little bit 
been getting shouted at about that for years and years. Been getting shouted at for it for about ten years, and uh, I just can I give you a drill to do that could help you with yeah, that, uh, if you don't mind, um, in, in my own you know little way. Um, put put when when you get in the gym and you're starting after you finish loosening up and you're starting your workout, get in front of the mirror. Yeah, get in front of the mirror and put a little pad, a little glove, one of those little bag gloves. Put it under your chin, and and hold if, it there. and hold it there. You know, with the chin low, and do do five, six, seven rounds of shadow boxing at a very modest pace, but just to where you get comfortable, which is really not comfortable keeping your chin low, but you get comfortable keeping your chin lower, and. And if you want to do something even better, put your wallet there. I don't think you want to drop your wallet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so put put your wallet there and tell the people in the gym if you want to, because you're that kind of kid. You're the kind of kid put yourself out there. You're the kind of kid that loves a challenge. Tell the people that, hey, if I drop it two times, it's yours. So then I got a funny feeling. You're going to keep your chin down. Yeah, I'll keep it there then, lad. I'm not losing me though. <laughs> I I wanna I wanna say one other thing about what I saw in the ring. Obviously I saw I see as we're seeing right now, a a, a very charismatic, good person. Uh, it comes across as a good person. Uh I don't pretend to know you that well, but uh you come across that way uh a, a kid that you could get behind a kid that you could root for a kid that's exciting a kid that uh will bring fans um but what i also saw i saw power i saw a great chin i saw a great will but i also saw great finishing quality where you knew how to finish and not everybody knows how to do that People think that you just throw punches. It's it's more complex than that. You have to have instincts. You have to be calm in an uncalm environment. You have to be calm when the fire is all around you and you can still see what you need to see through the flames. And that's a quality. There's a quality. There's a mentality to that. And the special ones, Jack Dempsey, if you go way back, Joe Lewis, Mike Tyson, they were good finishers, but not just because they had power and they threw punches, because of what I'm talking about, because they were able to stay calm during that time and, and know what punches to throw, know when to step forward and how to step forward or step to the side. And I saw something in you. I saw you up against the cage. And just before this hurricane, this rainfall of punches started, I saw when you were starting to hurt them, you threw a kick behind his knee where I said to myself, wow, that th this guy is thinking. He's thinking at all times. Here he is in this kind of circumstance, and he throws a kick behind the leg, behind the knee, which later on was going to serve a purpose because it was going to keep him from really being able to set himself the way he wanted to or needed to set himself. So I see the kickball in the midst of all this rain, in the midst of all this chaos, I see you calmly throw a kick behind the knee and then you go on to the, you know, takes it outside to the middle of the cage where you go in with your punches. I thought to myself, this guy has the qualities to be a special finisher. Is there any truth to what I saw? 
Yeah, to be honest, um, I I don't like it when my fights go to decision. You know what I mean? I don't I don't like that at all. And if you would have seen me Instagram over the last few days, that that sequence the flying knee into pushing our opponents against the wall and throwing punches. That's something that we do in our gym. It's a finish we work on. Getting someone against the wall so they've got nowhere to go. Because then you can't lean your head out of the way of shots. You're stuck against the cage. And then you just bag bomb. Just it's something to do with my boxing coach, bag bombing. I just bag bombed them until I took his head clean off his shoulders. And um, that's that's what I plan to do in all my UFC fights. I plan to come out and put on a show for people and get the finish. I am a finisher. Um, whether it's on the feet or on the ground, I am a finisher. Um, I think I've got 17 wins and only four of them have went to the decision. I think I've got like seven or eight first round finishes on stupid like that. I'm, I'm going to pride myself on continuing to do that. I think personally, because I started so young, I've got a high fight IQ. I think that goes into what you're saying there with the finishing. Um, I've been there and done it. Like I had nine amateur fights and now I've had 20 pro fights. My next fight's going to be my 30th fight. And I'm only 26. <laughs> yeah, you got everything in front of you. And I guess what I'm saying and what I did say, and I often say, I want to give credit to people in your sport and in my sport that the good ones, the ones that are going to have that kind of career to the next level and that consistency in the career, that longevity in the career, they're more than just tough. They're more than just strong. They're more than just fast. They're smart. They're able to be smart in an environment where most people couldn't be smart, where most people couldn't keep their thoughts together in that kind of environment, that kind of uncomfortable environment. And that's a quality. It comes from your upbringing, it comes from your personality, it comes from the disciplines that have been part of your life, the lessons that you've been through, the, the journey that you've been through, but it's a quality that gets developed or doesn't get developed, and you have that quality. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, as something I always say, like, with my city, my city, like, we say scouts, not English, lad. Like, we, we consider ourselves our own type of people. And it's because we've been forgotten about by this country before and by the establishment. And like they tried to get rid of our city, basically, and we fought against it and fought back. And that's why you see so many fighters from Liverpool, I think, boxers, MMA fighters, and also on all different sorts of walks of life and like sports, sports people and stuff like that. It's just because our, our city's always had to fight for everything we've got and we'll continue to do it forever. Well, it served you well. And, um, and I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck uh, with your journey, you know, continuing to do that and continuing to, to give aspiration and motivation and hope to young kids uh, from those areas and other areas that they can say, hey, if Patty could do it, I could do it. That, that's exactly, that's one of the main things why I do this as well because I don't know where I'd be now without MMA. I, I don't. I really, genuinely don't know where I'd be, what I'd be doing. I'd probably be doing something stupid. Um, and MMA saved me. Like I could have been doing all sorts of madness, but I got in the gym and I trained hard and I put the work in. And this is this is what can happen. I'm just a normal lad from Liverpool who started training and worked hard. And I had a bit of talent as well, but I had to work my ass off to get to where I am. And anyone can do it, no matter where you're from, what city, what country. Any kid can do it, and that's why it, it's another big thing for me, pushing pushing kids in the right direction who are going to get dragged the wrong way. 
Well, I, it's great to be an example. It's great to be a role model. It's great just to give, you know, direction and hope to, to kids with, while you're having your own success to take care of yourself and your family. That's, that's a great thing. Continue to have that attitude. I want to ask you, and then I'm going to give it to my, my partner, Ken, to ask you something. But I want to ask you, you got your debut now, but you're a smart kid. I'm serious. I, I, there's just something that tells me because you turned down the invitation of the UFC twice before that you could have made your debut, and you turned it down. And you obviously, yeah. you obviously turned it down for a reason. I, I got a funny feeling. I know what that reason is. You, you needed to get more mature. You needed to get more ready. Whatever. But please tell the, tell the people out there that are listening why you would turn down such a tremendous opportunity twice and then wait for the right moment for yourself. Well, yeah, as you said, when I first got offered, I was only 21. I was very young. I'd just been given a big new contact of Cage Warriors, so we knew the time wasn't right. And then I got offered again in 2018. But that time... um, Again, it just didn't didn't feel right. Um, I still never had a standing conditioning coach. I was winging a lot of my fights, um, and I turned them down again. And then after that, that because I lost my next fight after that, and obviously I, I had a bit of depression, bit of bad mental health stuff. Didn't didn't see like light at the end of the tunnel. And then obviously I ended up sorting me head out, uh, speaking to people about it. And I always knew that the UFC was coming for me. Wasn't a question that if they were going to sign me, it was when. Um, it got annoying a lot of the times where people buy ours were like, oh, but, but you should have went to UFC, lad. You're never going to get there. Now. And I always knew the UFC are going to want to sign me. I put bums on seats and put eyes on television sets. They are going to want to sign me. And as soon as I got them two first round finishes, they come calling within 48 hours. And as you can see, I've made a big splash straight away in my debut. Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt you were smart. Obviously... Obviously, uh, you waited. You waited for the right moment um, for this opportunity, and and with everything that comes with it, uh, part of it is being ready for that too. Not not only for the, and I think you've been through this. You just touched on something. I want to ask you. I know there was a period where you had an eighteen month hiatus um, from the sport. Uh, what? What was going on in your life during that period? Also, like as I said, I just lost the fight that I went into with three months post-surgery. So I shouldn't have even done the fight but because my hand, my hand wasn't even better. Three months post-surgery, yeah. every, every, every training session before I fought, I had a splint on my hand still underneath my boxing wraps and stuff. And um, after that fight, I just did a bad depression. I was waking up every morning crying and that and just in a bad way, thinking, oh, I, I could have went to UFC, I've let everything, uh, I've let me wrist and that get in the way, this and that. Um, and then obviously, I had to get another surgery on my wrist because I'd broken again in the fight. And then, I was meant to fight 14 months into that 18-month break and my opponent missed weight on the day uh, by 10 pounds. So the fight got called off. Um, I had like a little grappling bout in between where my wrist was still bad, but that was it. And then I just wanted to get back in the cage so bad. And then that fight nearly got called off after 18 months because it was just when COVID came about. 
And it was the th- it was the it was the only thing what was sporting event what was on that weekend in the UK, and then everywhere went into lockdown. So I was lucky I even got that fight in to be honest. And then again after that fight, I had to get surgery on my other wrist. I've had three surgeries now on my wrists, so I had to sit out for another year before I had my last cage warriors fight. How how are your hands now? They're much better now. Like this one got done by an actual proper specialist wrist surgeon. My left, so my left's brilliant. I've had two on this one though. One there and one there. They were done by the NHS. But I can I can punch now, so that's the main thing. As long as I can punch people in the head. That helps. Yeah, that helps a lot. That helps a lot. It it does. Ken, go ahead. I'm, I want to. Oh, of course. Hey, uh, Patty, uh, Teddy and I offer much different, uh, have much different views of the fight. Teddy obviously has forgotten more about boxing technicalities than I'll ever know. <laughs> but one of the things that I see with a guy like you is tremendous marketability. As you know, a big portion of earning potential in fighting can be come from outside of the ring so i'm curious to know since that since your debut have you seen an influx in incoming uh calls from potential sponsors and if so who are they reaching out to who's on your team who's helping you with the management side of business yeah yeah i've seen a lot of i've had a lot of emails and a lot of instagram messages and i'm not that's all of that side of the stuff is not me no that's that's my manager's job i like when people message me, I've been lo- loads of messages about these NFTs and all yeah. cryptocurrency and that. And I'm just like, lad, message Graham, message Graham. Um, Graham Boyland, my manager, lad, he has been for a good seven, eight years since I signed with Cage Warriors. I'm signed to Intensity Fight Management. So if anyone wants uh, anything to do with me, you want me on any sort of anything, message Graham Boylan because uh, he- he's the man. Perfect. And and I was telling Teddy in our episode earlier today that I heard Ariel Hawani use the term the, uh, on his show saying that the new term for the uh, bandwagon uh, fans of Patty Pimblet and now jump on, not jump on the bandwagon, jump on the Patty wagon, which in the which in the US, I don't know if the term applies in the UK, but the Patty wagon is like the police van where they throw a bunch of, uh, you know, big riot, throw them all in the Patty wagon and take them <laughs> down to the station. So instead of the bandwagon, we got the paddy wagon. Everyone's on the paddy wagon now, lad. Everyone. Even the ones that said they wouldn't be, lad. They're all on it. That's for sure. You've got, uh, I hope Graham's uh, opening up some room in his inbox because I have a feeling you're going to get a number of incoming uh, inquiries from potential sponsors and partnerships. And if you look at someone like Conor McGregor, I mean, look at the money he made from proper number 12. I know for a fact because I have, I know one of his partners in that deal that he made several hundred million dollars. Ridiculous, lad, but that's the sort of money I want to be making, lad. I want, to, I, want my, I want my family to never have to worry about working again. You know what I mean? I want to be able to look after my family and move everyone to nicer places and stuff like that. Like, that's the sort of money that I'm coming for. Well... The one thing that you can be sure of is if you keep being yourself and you keep winning, it's just a matter of time. And that's what's happening, lad. So it's just a matter of time. Patty, everybody, everybody's calling your name out, which is a good thing. I mean, that's 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 where you are now. I mean, <laughs> you want to be that that guy, that center of attraction, where everybody is calling out Patty because they can make money with Patty, and um, so. I know that's going on right now in your world. Where do you have any idea? 
I know you leave it up to the management and everything, but obviously you have some input in there. Do you have any idea who will be next? And also, who, when you get to that place where you would be able to pick a fight, a fight that in your mind would be a fight that you want, a fight you want for a lot of reasons, for legacy, for to build your legacy, obviously to move your career forward, but just for competition. Like, I want to fight that guy. I want to put myself up against that guy. Who, Who's there? It's obviously the top the top guys in the division. You know what I mean? As I say, for now, I don't care who you put me up against. Put me up against who you want, whoever, whoever's on the... Um, on the contract, whatever name's on there, I'll sign it. But as I get to the upper echelons, I want to fight the best. Um, obviously, like at the minute, I think the best 155 in the world is Dustin Poirier, even though he hasn't got the belt. I think he's going to win the belt. But then, obviously, Oliveira's brilliant. Um, I'd rate Islam Makhachev as well. I'd like to fight people like that, the top, top echelons of the division. Michael Chandler, Justin Gagey, you know what I mean? People like that. The... Um, they're the top five, I think, and in the next two years, that's what I want to be fighting. Now, before that, and, and those are obviously the top names, as you just said, and I wouldn't expect anything less. You, you want to obviously put yourself against the best. You want to be the best, and you have to fight the best to be the best. What are there? Can you give us any idea of now, before you get to that level, before you get to those guys, um, who... Who is being thought about? What what kind of guys are being thought about now? <laughs> I'm not I'm not looking into anyone. I don't need to. As I said, like the amount of people what are talking about me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, fighters in the 155 pound division, even fighters in other divisions, lad, with, like they're all making pictures with my hair on them, <laughs> and it's it, like, do, do, do you want to jump on the paddy wagon, lad? Like. People can use my name all he wants, but I'm not going to be mentioning anyone's name. I don't need to. I'll just sit here and smile while everyone else uses my name for clickbait. And your hair, and use your hair. And um, matter of fact, Dana White, Dana White is uh, using your hair too. I understand. Yeah, that 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 picture was brilliant. Someone made and sent me. I had to put that up. That was hilarious. He'll have uh, a little pretty... top on soon with Mo Salah <laughs> on the back. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny that was pretty funny um what will be i mean your management will take care of it uh when do you expect to be back in the cage that's let's look at that before the end of the year oh wow definitely all right um, wow yeah 100 percent. late november early december something like that i'm happy to get right back in there just gotta get me four match today this week Got to get me form X-ray this week. Um, obviously, get me medical suspension wiped, and then I'm ready to rock and roll again. And I'm a bit fat again, as you can see. I don't look like I did last week. I've, I've got a, a good few pounds to lose now, but it can all be done in eight weeks. So we can see how you looked last week, right here. You made the Hall of Fame in your in your UFC debut. You're up on the Wall of Fame already. Nice stuff. That's what we like to see. You have good company there. We've had Israel Adesanya, Francis Ngannou, Dustin Poirier, all the champions, Brandon Moreno. Yeah, and all, now, the, man, all and, the men with the belts. And now Patty the Batty. Sounds good to me, lad. I'll be, I'll be getting mentioned with them names in the next few years, lad, when I have got that belt around my waist. Well, sure you will, and we hope that you will. 
Can you talk a little bit about the? Oh, the, I will. Talk a little bit about the um about the family vibe going on in your gym. I saw uh, Molly McCann come run into the cage when you were fighting. I love to see that. I love the camaraderie amongst teammates. Tell me a little bit about the guys in your gym and how 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 they motivate you and how you motivate each other. Yeah, I always say it with Molly that Molly's big sister. You know what I mean? She really is. And Rim, who's our head coach, we call him Uncle Rim. <laughs> it's just what what we do in the gym, lad. We've, we're, we're such a close knit little firm. Um, we other we other head coach, Ella Sampson and Adam Venti, and another assistant head coach. I've been training with them for ten years, eleven years. They were both pro fighters themselves. who are now retired and are coaching in the gym. And at the minute, we've got the best coaching team and the best fight team we've ever had in the gym. And we've seen some good fighters come and go in our gym, but. I've been saying in there now 11 and a half, nearly 12 years, and the fight team we've got at the minute is just next level. Like Over the next year or two, you're going to see about another four or five people from next generation get signed to the UFC. Uh, that, that's what's happening, believe me now. Wow, that's excellent. The, uh, the other night, um, Patty, the former UFC champion, uh, Belfort, he, he fought one of these, in this case it was very sad, but one of these side, these sideshow events. Sideshow yeah, stuff, yeah. And and he fought. He he wound up beating um, Evander Holyfield, who of course it was very sad because Holyfield at fifty eight was just a shadow of himself. But the reason why I bring it up is that Belfort, I believe, was your inspiration when you were about fifteen years old. I, I believe he was the one who kind of got you started in MMA. Can you talk about that? He was the first live event what I watched. I watched him fight Rich Franklin. It was his first UFC fight back. That was the first event I stayed up for and watched live. And I went for a run after it at like 6 a.m. Because <laughs> obviously the fight's on a different time in England. I went for a run on a run after it at like 6 a.m. and went and joined the gym about a month or two later. And like the, the Belfort, it, it was just his style is so exciting. His MMA style, no matter whether he's on the ground or he's on the feet, he's always trying to finish you. And that's what I always wanted my style to be like. Um, one of the other people who like inspired me when I was young with MMA was Big Nog, uh, Minotaro Noguera, because he'd get through down the ring for like 15 minutes by big fellas like Bob Sapp, get slammed everywhere, beat up, and then he'd just sweep him and get him in an armbar and win. <laughs> just be like, how has he just survived all that and then ended up winning? And like, it's fighters like that. We've got hearts and just don't ever want to stop or quit that that I love. Yeah, uh, those those are the guys that would attract the kid's eye um, to be. I'm gonna be like him. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be exciting. And I'm gonna find a way to win. And I'm gonna overcome whatever the hell is in front of me. But um, I I I also I also noticed that. Um, that you you're very you're very good at being aware of what you need to be and the way you need to position yourself and talk when when the fight's over with the cameras with everything and now of course handling all this attention that you're getting but you made you made your bones you know in the before this um, obviously, um, 
it it didn't start in the UFC. It started in the Cage Warriors. How how important was that journey um, to get to where you've gotten to? Not just with the experience and the technique that you learned and the mistakes that you were able to correct uh, as you grew, but just in the maturity uh, and and the lessons that the life lessons that it gave you. Because you were getting a lot of attention there, you won a featherweight title, and obviously the UFC was was you were on their radar. So, how what was going on in your life then when you got all that attention? Was was it too much too soon? And did it help you for now? Yeah, it was too much too soon. I won a world title when I was twenty one, hardly training, partying all the time, and I thought that that was the life that I could do that forever. So I did until I and, I, and I kept going out and partying all the time, leading up to a fight and not training properly. And just my whole fight camp was about losing weight. So because of that, now I'm just a complete athlete. I'm a super professional. Where back then I really wasn't. I didn't have an S&C regime. I was just doing my sparring, my jiu-jitsu and my, my striking and wrestling. I um, wasn't doing any sort of weights, any really sort of conditioning. Um I was just winging it, going into fights, and I'd get shouted at all the time by my coach, but he'd never, as I say, he'd never not turn up with me. He'd always be there with me, and in the end, I had to lose a fight or two to learn lessons like that. And I'm glad they done it on Cage Warriors, and I didn't have to do it in the UFC, because, as you know, the UFC's got cutthroat business. I'm glad that I've I've sold out arenas on my own, just with the Cage Warriors name attached to it, without the UFC name attached to it. Because I know now that with the UFC name attached to it, I sell out any venue in the UK easily. Yeah. Well, you've grown up. You've grown up. Um, and that's that's important. Uh, and you're ready for this next chapter, I guess you could say, in your life. And I can see that. I can see the way that you're you're talking about it. Yeah, that got me. Like, as I say, Cage Warriors got me in very good stead. I can't thank Cage Warriors enough. Like even like all the media stuff and stuff like that. Obviously, the UFC is a whole new level of media, but doing all the stuff for Cage Warriors, what I've done over the years has got me prepared for it. Fighting in front of so many people and on Cage Warriors shows has got me prepared for it. There's no other shows like Cage Warriors in the UK. Um, if you're not fighting on Cage Warriors, you're fighting in sports halls with like a thousand people there. So, as I say, I can't thank Cage Warriors enough. They built me into the man and the fighter I am today. Yeah, well, that's gracious of you and proper of you to uh to say that and and to to say uh, that should be said and i appreciate that um what you're 26 years old obviously you have an appetite um what weight class are you in right now <laughs> uh right now yeah right right now i'm easily a a, a Weighing in at middleweight, but I'd say I'm a, I'm a light, light heavyweight at the minute. Will <laughs> <laughs> you have enough time to properly get the weight down in all seriousness uh, by the... Yeah, um, as I say, it'll only take me a few days to lose about five, ten pounds straight away. And then it's just like getting the weight back off. As I say, I, I've been eating about six, six to seven thousand calories a day easily yeah. the past the past week. <laughs> like the amount of chocolate that I eat is just ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you earned it, but I understand. I understand it, but yeah, you have to of course keep a. Uh, worse than the chocolates, of course, would be the whiskey bottles that Dana White sent to your room uh, after the fight. <laughs> where where are they? 
Well, that's more important. Uh, they, they, they all got drank, are they? Molly and Jack Shaw drank more of them <laughs> than me. I only had a little taste. I'm not the biggest drinker. Good for you. I'm all about me food. Good, good for you. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. I love your accent. I love your accent. I, I, yeah, I would buy it. I would buy a ticket to watch it just for the accent. <laughs> a lot of people love the accent, lad. A lot of people can't understand it, though, so I'm glad you can. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Dece- possibly December to get back in the cage. I know there's a big event, big pay-per-view event with uh, Dustin Poirier and uh, Charles Oliveira December 11th in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Never know. They might want me on that one. I'm game to <laughs> open up the main card again on that. Yeah, they they definitely might want you on that one. And um, I know you you already kind of said it already, really. But um, who do you? You obviously you like Poirier to win that fight. That's a good fight. That's a tough fight. That's a that's a very competitive fight. And Dustin's a friend of ours, and he comes on the show a lot. And obviously, we're always in his corner. But um, that's a that's a tough fight, that Oliveira. Yeah, it is a very tough fight. Wherever the fight goes, Oliveira can finish it, whether it's on the floor or standing. He's got good hands, good kicks, very good submissions off his back and on top. But I just think if if Michael Chandler can clip you like that and put you down and nearly finish you, then Poirier's going to do it. Poirier's got brilliant finishing instincts when it comes to fighting. He does. He's, he does brilliant finishing instincts. And once he got he has your hurt, Nine times out of ten, he is finishing you, and I think he will catch Oliveira in the first two rounds, and he and he will finish him. Yeah, you have a good eye because he is a. I've said it on our show when I've talked to Dustin that he's a brilliant finisher, and part of that mentality, part of the reason for that, Patty, is that we used to teach this me and Customato in the gym when we when we had fighters. If we knew that a guy could punch, like obviously a, a young Mike Tyson. We used to say that if you catch him a shot and you know you catch him the shot, you know yourself, you feel it, you know that you caught him. If No matter how the guy acts, he could laugh at you, he could smile at you, no matter what, you know you caught him, you know he's infected, follow up. Don't, don't, let, don't let him sell you off it. Don't let him con you off it. Follow up. And that's what Dustin, that's one of the things that Dustin does so well. When he caught Connor, Connor didn't show it in a great way, but he knew that he caught him a clean shot and he knew that he was affected. He knew that he had to be hurt. And so without a hesitation, without a blink of an eye, he followed right up. And a lot of guys don't do that. They wait to see if you show it to them and then they miss the opportunity. That's where that's where Diaz frustrated me in his last fight when he fought Leon Edwards. Because I really like Leon. I thought Leon was absolutely schooling him. But when Diaz catches him with that big shot in the last round and then goes, what are you doing? That chase him down, put it on him, finish him. You might actually win the fight when everyone knew when it went to the decision he wasn't going to win. 100%. 100%. That was hard to watch when Diaz had him. And, and we like we like Rocky Edwards. He's been on the show as well. But when Diaz had him hurt, I was it was frustrating to watch him not have a sense of urgency to close the show. Because like you said, he lost every round. So... Yeah, that's what I mean. He'd lost every round up until that point. If you want to get your win bonus and like get a performance of the night bonus because you lost four rounds and if you win in the fifth, you're going to get it. Get at him. Put it on him. You know what I mean? I just don't get it for me. 
like when I see someone hurt, I, I'm getting right in there and putting it on them. I don't think I'll ever do a walk away KO because I, I want to hit you. I want to make sure that the fight's over. Yep. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be into kicking someone in the head and then walking away and the ref not stopping it. I want to make sure the fight's over and then, then we can be sound. Until then, I'm going to try and kill you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the that's the reality. that if, You know, I remember one time when I had Tyson, you just reminded me of something. I had Tyson, a young Tyson who was about... 14 years old and I had him in the Bronx fighting in one of these smoker fights getting him an experience uh, in, in a smoker fight they called it and we're up there and it was supposed to be an exhibition because nobody wanted to fight Tyson at that time he was only 14 but he was already getting a little reputation <laughs> and you know he could punch like hell like the old times would say Patty he hit you on top of the head and fractured your ankles so um <laughs> so so nobody wanted to fight him and my job was to get him experience you know i've been working with him in the gym teaching him how to fight but now you got to fight you can't become a fighter without fights it, 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 it's impossible so you teach him then you got to get fights so it was time to get fights and i had to do my job so i talked him into doing an exhibition i said look we'll put the big gloves on We'll put the big gloves on instead of 10 ounce and, and we'll, we'll call it an exhibition where there's no decision at the end. But it's still going to be a regular fight. I knew that. Tyson knew that. Everybody knew that, you know. So we go in there and not to mention the other guy's 18 years old. My kid's 14 years old. So I still had to go through these kinds of things to get experience for Tyson because of his ability and because of his reputation. So... He fights, they go in there, and before the bell rings, you know, Tyson looks at me. I say, look, be alert. Uh, obviously, you see how he treats it. You know, if he treats it like a fight, you treat it like, but don't be the, don't be the guy that finds it out late. <laughs> don't, uh, don't find out late. <laughs> so he said, okay, I won't find out late. Don't worry. Well, he sure as hell didn't find out late. Anyway, he goes in there, and it's his nature to get rid of guys anyway. So he goes, like you just talked about, he knows what he's in there for. He knows what could happen. So he goes in there, even at 14 years old. So he goes in there. The other guy throws, you know, a big shot at him. He, he slips it, bang, bang, bang. Uh, and he, he knocks, you know, he knocks the guy, he hurts the guy, goes right after him. <laughs> uh, some exhibition, I'll tell you, it didn't look like exhibition. He goes right after him on the ropes, hits him three more shots, Falls outside the ring, uh, out you know outside on the ring apron, out, out cold, and um, afterwards when we when it's all over with now, and they revive the guy, they get the guy up. He he wants to come after Tyson. Him and his coach want to come after Tyson. So I got right in the middle. I said, "Hey, back up, back up before we have another problem right now." back up you're not going he goes well it was supposed to be an exhibition and then tyson tyson's right behind me tyson says i wasn't trying to do nothing to him he wasn't trying to do to me <laughs> and a hundred hundred percent a hundred he and he he looked at me he said teddy i was i was only doing what he was trying to do i said you don't have to explain to me we don't have to explain to me so uh exactly right customato would always say when I was training the fighters, he'd say, Teddy, you're in there with a guy. 
If you have a guy, everyone has their different attitudes, their different approaches of what they believe and how to go about it. You know that. Everybody's got their different styles, <laughs> their different ideas. Um, some guys say, be careful, be this, be smart, don't make a mistake. Of course you don't want to make a mistake. Of course you want to be smart. But Cuss would always say to me, listen to me, Teddy. You, If you got your guy in there with a guy who's dangerous and you hurt him, get him the hell out of there. <laughs> and and and, uh, and uh, that's that, I never forgot that. And uh, obviously, uh, you've learned the same thing. And I would have to say yes, I agree. Do it smart. Do it smart. Do it the way you've been doing with good instincts. Smart. Maybe you faint the guy a little bit in case he's looking to suck a puncher. You know because he's hurt. Maybe you give him a little faint. You come in behind the jab, do it properly. You know, I love the way you talk. I'll say it in your lingo. Do it proper. Do it proper. <laughs> you have got to do it properly, lad. I always say as well, you want to finish it as fast as we don't get paid no overtime, was that? <laughs> we only get paid the same amount, so you want to get it done fast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You get paid the same. That's right. Absolutely. Patty, it's been a pleasure. Um, unless Ken has something to say to you, uh, I just want to tell you it's been a pleasure talking to you, a pleasure having you on our show, and I wish you, we wish you nothing but continued success and the continued ability also to inspire other young people. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on, and I'll be um, I'll be back on in the future after I win a few more fights. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> yeah, well... I will be in London two weeks from tomorrow, so if I need any muscle to keep the keep uh, keep any troublemakers at bay, I'll give you a shout. I'm coming over to win the London Sorry, Marathon. You'll, 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 have a task, you'll have a task there, lad. London's about 160 miles away from us. <laughs> ah, that's close enough. It, you, mean, you mean to tell me that everything in England isn't just a few minutes away? No. <laughs> no. It's not like Texas where it takes 10 hours to get from one side to the other, but... I, I drove home from Cornwall to Liverpool today. Well, my missus drove home, and that took us like seven and a half hours. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's a... That was a long journey, but that's the very end of the country. Land's end and stuff, Cornwall. Yeah. Well, I'm just teasing you. I lived in London for a couple of years uh, back when I was a young man, but I am coming over to win the London Marathon in three weeks, so uh, maybe we'll see you there. Sounds good. Sounds good. Wishing you the best of luck. Thank you, brother. Th like Teddy said, thank you for being with us. We really appreciate it. Look forward to having you on in the future. Maybe you'll come on and show us the belt when you're the champion. I will do. Don't you worry. I'll be back on. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. Best of luck. Thank you very much. Best to you and your team. Same to you, Patty. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. Best of luck. <laughs>